3: Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, here with Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we're here going to have another exciting conversation.
2: You wanted to talk about uh, complimenting people. By the way, you look lovely today.
3: Thank you. I received that. At my age, I'm taking all the compliments I can get. (laughs) Whatever somebody's saying, I'm happy. (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing about compliments, and I shared this with you another time. I give compliments very freely it just happens you know if there's something nice I see beauty in everything and everybody there's going to be something beautiful about you I don't care whether it's your lips your mustache whatever I see it so I'm I just feel like it's cool to tell people what's nice or to compliment whatever else and I have gotten great criticism over the years and let me give you an example of something I noticed when I was very young, how people in Hollywood, the stars, would compliment each other on stage, on talk shows or the Academy Awards. They would always give thanks to the team, the everybody, even other actors that were considered great even in another movie or in the same, they co-starred together. They always complimented each other. You never hear one downgrading another and I used to think that was wonderful. So I made the horrible mistake of using that example in church one day about how even people that are, we th- we're we not in competition. We're in it together. And complimenting one person does not take away the greatness of you. The example was Hollywood. And I remember, I don't know whether I was using Tom Cruise or somebody else. Doesn't matter. Whoever I used, it was going to be wrong. Like I committed a horrible sin right there in the pulpit because, number one, I used Hollywood, which is the den of iniquity. So nothing good can happen there. And the whole point was lost. and And that kind of feeling, you know, is still present. And I don't want to pick on the church. I know it's there, but it's present also with other people. So I don't know how to handle that.
2: Okay. I think that there are actually two things that are going on. One is complimenting versus criticizing other people and getting towards a tendency of being uplifting and complimentary. And I know exactly what you were saying and what you mean, because it doesn't actually take anything away from me to tell you that you're wonderful or to remember that you are a bright light of God's love, shining in a unique way that is specific and particular to you. Doesn't take anything away from me at all. And we'll talk about that second. We'll start with Hollywood. And they're actors. They're phony. That's their whole job, is to pretend. And when you see them on the red carpet, and they're all being nice to each other, it is not obvious whether it's authentic and they really respect somebody else's work or it's part of the job to be nice because if you're not nice then you wind up with a battle and a war and the tabloids like to talk about that sort of thing so everybody wants to be positive even if they don't feel it so there is the possibility that your crowd was reacting to the inherent plastic phoniness that tends to be in show business it's not always and there are people in show business in the movies, in Hollywood, in, in in all fields, who are wonderful, who are genuine and authentic people, and they, they mean it when they say it. It's easy to misunderstand or be suspicious when people who are playing a role for a living are saying something because they might be meaning it and they might be playing a role.
3: You know what? I never thought of that. Never, never, never. And that's probably the naive side of me that i'm very embarrassed about because you know i should have thought of that like it's
2: just whatever somebody should have mentioned that's what it was about so you could say all right let's think of another example
3: yeah well you know what i've been doing this forever like it's been something that i'll just because it's it's important it's just part of who i am and i've said that nobody ever says anything i just never thought of it when you said that i can see yeah that's probably true you know, but hey, I don't have time to go through all those, you know, analogies, analysis about it. Look, the com- here's here's another part that I forgot to add, and this is you can work with this too. I know when I do that with people, sometimes they will immediately think that I have a an inferiority complex, and then they go to this dime store counseling about how you are great too, and you. I'm, that's not it. All I said was I really love the way such and such administers their that event, or they are really a powerful preacher. I don't have an inferiority p- complex about me. I'm cool with me.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's just, actually yeah. one of the reasons that you can do that, is because you are cool with you.
3: Yeah.
0: And, hey, and, was-
2: and, and, and the second part that we're going to talk about is the nature of people Putting each other down and being hesitant or unwilling to compliment other people or to see the good that's around them and or to be suspicious and i think that has to do with the elusive nature of our experience because what we say is that there's only one one power and presence one divine love that shares itself as all of its creation there's only the one and then everything that we experience is telling us that there's separation Our five senses are very clearly created to show us contrast, to show us difference and nuance. Our eyes show us light and dark, even though there's only light, and we perceive it as two different things. The same thing with the feeling and temperature. There's inside of me and then everything that's outside of me, and it's really easy to get distracted by that. And what happens is, that sets up a boundary. That sets up an experience of separation, and that makes way for the zero-sum game. If I get something, that means you lose something. And if you get something, that means I lose something. If we're on a seesaw and only one of us can be up in the air at a time. It's not true. But it's the way we experience life. So there is a very natural tendency to play game like it's a, a score. And if you get a point, then I'm one behind.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And But how how does that fit? I've done... A lot of reading and thinking. I do that all the time, but maybe this is the subject the last couple of weeks. Um, In the church, it's just one God. And I'm surprisingly finding a lot of similarities in uh, the traditional church and New Thought in terms of agreement or, or in terms of focusing on certain scriptures. The interpretation is different, yes, but not always. I've I've found some similarities. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, the oneness I get, because there are a lot of similarities here, and there are probably more similarities than not, depending on how you approach it. So then why approach it in a negative way? We have one God who expresses or reveals you know and I, I know i don't have the eloquent language of new thought i'm working on it but oh, you got it that one god reveals itself manifests itself in so many different ways in personalities in organizations denominations or whatever it's still one god just looking different
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking
3: different um i used to think that the way i preach I couldn't compare myself to somebody else because my voice resonates with or somebody else's hearing or spirit resonates with my voice. So if I change what I do, I'm going to miss the audience that was meant for me to speak to. Hmm. So I'm I'm good with it. You know, it may not be the most popular. I may not be on a stage of 8000 people. Not my business. Right. Because if I was and I tried to change, I probably screw it up anyway. So. (laughs) You know, just be who you are, and that's cool. But that doesn't mean you're bad or ugly. It just means this is God working through me and God working through the other pe- person. So since we are on this God path, this journey home, how come it can't be okay that somebody else is a different way? You know, this is not a competition. we just getting home, you know?
2: Yeah, because it's set up to look like a competition.
3: But if, you, we're smart people. It doesn't work, right? Don't you know it doesn't work? So why keep going the same way?
2: Oh, because that's what we were taught. That's the way we've always done it. Of course, we're going to have this competition and this whatever. Of course um, we are. Yeah, Do we sometime. have to? No, we don't have to. But we have been, so we will <laughs> We have every possibility of keeping it up.
3: Can, can but, I give you one? Like I think this is a great example, and I'm going to love telling this to you. I have three children. And before they were born, my goal for them was to love, teach them to love each other unconditionally. I asked for three. I knew I was going to have three. There was no doubt in my mind. So when three got here, this was it. And I was making sure from day one, each one loved each other for what was good about the other. What I didn't have control over was what you're saying, how the world or the culture teaches competition. Mm -hmm. So I have two incredibly wonderful, talented sons, but they're very different. So as opposed to them recognizing the good and wonderfulness in each other, in themselves, I guess, each is jealous of the other. And I'm like, at my age, Reverend, I'm stunned. You hear me? <laughs> I am stunned because everything I put in them about loving each other, did I miss loving yourself for who you are? And 35 and 38, they are, stuff is happening with them because of, I think it's not, they, they admire in the thing about each other, but they see what the other has as greater than what's in themselves.
2: Mm. Does that
3: does that make sense?
2: Yeah, the grass is greener.
3: And I it's gotten so blown out, I can't fix it. Which is good,
2: good. because I'm stepping good, back you, and yeah, you y'all stop just, trying.
3: There's nothing else I can say, right? God is in you both, always told you that. God is perfect in you both. What the heck is going on here? So, okay. So I'm, I know I'm talking long, but this is going somewhere and this is going, and then I'm going to stop and then you put it all together. Okay. So oh. <laughs> the sure. oldest one who they don't care if I talk about their stuff because they don't care. That's just how we are. Okay. So the oldest one has four children. Those are my only grandchildren. He has four. There are three mothers between four children. One is an ex-wife and two are as they say, baby mamas. So I looked at this situation several years ago, and I said, when they first all got to the planet, and I said, the one thing I will not have is chaos and anger and unrest in my family. This will not happen. So I devised a plan in my own head to bring these three women together with all the children. I knew it wasn't going to happen in one, one setting, but I deliberately spoke to each one, and I created... A relationship with each one and I knew that when I brought them together I knew exactly what it was going to be because I planted the right seeds I did the day they came together it was amazing they were squealing you know they call me Gigi they were squealing cuz like Gigi we love you and because they were hugging each other and like they had no earthly reason to do that based on the norm of the way people behave And so we are, to this day, the oldest grandchild will be 16. The youngest one is 11. So it's been all those years. And I'm everybody's yee and they're loving it. It's all good. Even my son said, this is crazy. This doesn't happen with anybody. Well, it's going to happen. I made it. I set the intention before I knew what I was doing. We are going to be a loving family. We will be together on the holidays. His ex-wife, who is remarried, still does the hair of one of the children that was born during their marriage. Is that crazy? But this is how I, you know, said this is love. This is what we do, right? So that's the short story. Now with my, so I'm saying that you don't have to use the script that society sets up. God allows us to choose another script it's love Absolutely. it's love yeah. so I, I exemplified that gave everybody the love script it worked no credit to me because I was experimenting never been there before <laughs> I just figured we're gonna be happy here well, now I've got if, two if, sons if, and they won't follow God's script they got the word you're jealous what the heck is that you can choose a different way of behaving you don't have to be jealous of your brother that's what other people do you can choose a different scenario yeah.
2: but you know let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about these yeah, because i'm all
3: charged up right
2: and <laughs> yeah and, and jealousy
3: yeah okay
1: learn to put practical prayer to work in your life the steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer, and the series of easy to understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness
3: To the practical prayer podcast i'm carol lawrence here with reverend bill marcioni and i have no idea which way this is going because i dumped it all on you so
2: where we ended up was that you jealousy doesn't work for you it confounds you you find it to be depleting and distracting and like what what the heck's the point jealousy is when we look at something that somebody else has and we wish that they didn't have it because we want it and that is inherent in the competitive approach to life. It's not a coincidence that your two sons are doing that because there's so much of a focus in our culture on sports where you have a winning team and a losing team and the the winning team is better because they won. But you hate to have it in our politics. There's two parties and one party wins and that means the other party loses. And it's set up very conveniently so that we have winners and losers. And when somebody perceives themselves to not be the winner, they can be jealous of the winner and want to have what the winner has. Instead of understanding that everybody has something, it's just different for each of us. I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast. I certainly mention it every year when I do the talk on Super Bowl Sunday. The one thing that the winning team in the Super Bowl needs more than anything else is another team as good as they are to beat The winning team needs another team that's willing to play and take the risk and not win in order for the game to come out. Mm -hmm. If you were to take the Super Bowl team, even the one that winds up losing, and put them up against the best high school football team in the country, nobody would buy tickets because it's not interesting, it's not exciting, it's not a game. And the mistake that people make so often is to think that they're in a game where there's a competition and if somebody else wins, they're not going to win. When we're looking at it the way you were, the situation you described with the three mothers of your grandchildren, there's every reason to believe that they're going to see life as a competition because my child has a different relationship with their dad than the other children do and I want to make sure that my kid gets as many goodies as is coming to him. And if the other one seems to be getting more goodies, then that's taking something away from me and from my family and whatever. And there's the system there, the situation is set up for competition. And when you bring love to it, and you say, this is love. If the other kid is getting a lot of love and you want your kid to have more love, don't take it away from the other kid. There's an infinite supply. Bring more love to it. More love and more love and more love. The confusing part for some people is to think that if I don't get the love, it's because somebody else got it instead. And that goes right back to what you were talking about before. In order to experience love, we have to be love. If we don't believe that we deserve love, then we're projecting stuff onto other people and trying to be loving with them, but it's, that's the Hollywood thing. We're, we're faking it, because we don't feel it. If we're not lovable, then what, do, what, are, we, what are we giving somebody else? What am I shoveling out? It's fake love. It's wannabe love. And it's not it's not that we're lying. It's just that we're stretching ourselves beyond what we naturally believe.
3: But we can do it a different way. Right? Absolutely. It doesn't you know, I with um my grandchildren text me and all of that, you know, and one the oldest one said to me, about she was about fourteen she and her brother are the, you know, they they belong to the first wife. It's not the way to say it, but the first wife is their mother. And she I knew said, what you meant. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't to be careful. But anyway, so she's, this 14 year old, she texts me and she said, You, Cy, si, text you twice and you got back to him and. Granddaddy's going to do such and such. And I came back at her and said, so what does that, what is that to you? I mean, what's that got to do with you? Well, he's going to get so-and-so. I said, babe, I'm getting ready to scoop you up tomorrow. We're going to do such and such, and so si isn't. What, what do you have, what difference does it make to you what's happening with him? Are you ready for our trip? She had forgotten about our trip, she was just looking at her brother. And I said, I told you, ever since you were little, it doesn't matter what anybody else has or is doing. It only matters about you. And you know what? She, she loves you. And I said that you're the greatest. So why are you looking at somebody else trying to figure out something that I already <laughs> told you to answer to? And she says, oh, yeah, okay. And everything was fine. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's a a different way and we should push for the different way I mean you can't make anybody do anything but you can push to present you know I used to hold my son's face and look in his and say listen to me hear what I'm saying if you understand this and you disagree it's okay but at least take the time to consider a different way and he looks at me he says now I wish you could hold my face (laughs) <laughs> I said, okay, we can get on Zoom and we can pretend. But you gotta say this is making me crazy or this is stupid. Is there another option here mm-hmm. that'll work better? I mean, if you can't pray, you can just like which is a prayer. You're like, Look, God, you got another option here, drop it in real quick because I'm pissed. Whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, there are a lot of so- different ways that the that the prayer can show up. And The key to all of them is reminding ourselves that there's there's love here. There's love here. Uh, One of the musicians who plays at New Thought Philadelphia has some relatives with differing political views. And it makes family events like Thanksgiving a little challenging as people, especially recently, have been very comfortable pontificating or bloviating about their point of view. And so he wrote a song called Bring Love to the Fight, and with such a great notion that this is a family and families are messy that's like we know each other well enough that we know where the buttons are and whenever we want to we can push them sometimes inadvertently and we're good at it because we installed them or we're there when they were getting installed so in a lot of ways that is that's the proving ground for our beliefs about ourselves Uh, I've often said and it's repeated that you can learn more about somebody by watching them with their family for a half an hour than you can by knowing them for 5 years. And as you're thinking, that's you say, true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> true. Cuz all the stuff comes up. So, when you say we're going to get together, we're a big loving messy family, we have differences of opinion, and that's not the end of the story. Yes. In the circumstance if we bring some love to it, How does that change it? What does that do for the experience of the folks who are here? And I think that ties back to what you were talking about to begin with, about being able to compliment people. When you can look at a situation with all of its flaws and warts and problems and difficulties and challenges and shadows and still say that it's love and say there's something wonderful and valuable and good here, it changes the context. It changes the context so that you're you're putting your attention on on what's good, on what's lovable, and inviting more of that. Mm-hmm. That's the big piece, and that I think has been working for you. That's the law of attraction. When you look at something and you're inviting that love, you're inviting that compliment. Very likely, there's going to be more love and more compliments coming.
3: I guess you know as I as we go forward, you'll help me to see what's going on. I just I have a friend of over forty years, and we call each other like BFF, best friends forever. I I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I'm not sure about that, but she she, <laughs> she gets angry with me. Uh, we'll go out to lunch occasionally, and she'll get angry. She says, like, I can't stand being around you. I just, you. You won't get angry at anybody. You don't say, I refuse to deal with sin. So she gets angry because she'll tell me of what she thinks is a horrible sin situation, and I'll just say, you know, They're just doing the best they can. Like, they screwed up in that situation. They made a a bad decision. But you know what? They're probably sorry. And they're, you know, like, help them get on their feet, even if that means you stand away from them. They'll be okay. And a couple times she got up and left the table because I wouldn't do that. And I don't see how you can be so mean, you know, to somebody... Because it could be you, or probably is you, and we just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's got their S. I wouldn't say a bad word on your podcast, but, you know, everybody's got their S with them. It's just that sometimes you don't see it. So, like, just shut up oh, yeah. and just it's
2: be nice. I call it BS, which is belief system. Yes. <laughs> Everybody has their own belief system, and they bring their BS <laughs> to whatever it is that they're doing. And if their BS involves duality and judgment, and duality implies judgment, because when you have duality, there's good and bad, and then you can decide which one is better, and you can assign scores, and then the game is on. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is you get into a situation, okay, let, let, let's let loose a judgment. This person made a serious mistake. I'm not judging them. I'm understanding it. I'm saying I'm not going to hang around with them. That's not where I want to be investing my time or my energy, my attention. But you don't have to make them bad. Yeah. You can disagree with them without hating them.
3: Absolutely. Everybody has a story. You don't know their story, but I think it's my responsibility to know that you have one. Mm -hmm. And just respect that a person is doing the best they can in the moment. Tomorrow they may do better, but right now they're doing the best they can. I don't want to make it worse. I mean that that's terrible.
2: Yeah. But, you know. Okay, so you're fully primed for new thought. <laughs> <laughs> let
3: me tell you. Let me tell you about. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. Um, let me tell you about class on on Monday. We were talking about love, and um, I was having a very difficult time with the book that we're reading. Because I read it before and I realized why I put it aside. And here it comes back as the book we're supposed to be reading in this class. And I'm thinking, I am not interested in this woman who is always talking about love. It's just unreal to me. And so we're, and I'm thinking, how am I going to get this through this class without having a bad attitude about the overworked use of this word love? I couldn't get it. So, finally, we said something about it, and um, it it became clear what, you know, you remember a song, you do, I don't know what love is. I want to know what love is. That was the, I don't want to Mm -hmm. sing it because I can't sing, but you know the song. Yeah. And I used to sing that a lot because I thought I didn't know. And then Monday, you know, everybody was chiming in trying to help me with this. It wasn't God. I'm cool with God's love. I'm just not cool with love everywhere else. And to me, it's like very scary. So since I have very few warm fuzzies anyway, it's easy (laughs) for me to (laughs) not get into love conversations. And here we are in class and I'm thinking, This is just like way too much for me. This, I'm not getting it. But then here's my sons having this clash. And no matter, if there's a problem in the family, we'll all circle the wagon and come together, you know, as one strong unit. But then after the clash is over, you know, those two are like getting into it. I said, what is this? I don't know what love is. But then as we talk today, and I think about How I pulled together the three babies' mothers and made us all a big family, that's what love is. It's not fixing and blaming or saying, because my son is the one that created this difficult situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But everybody loves him, no matter what the situation is. He could do no wrong to anybody. He's out here wreaking havoc in everybody's life. Everybody that he has wreaked havoc with still loves him. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing. So after yeah, Monday's, some, after Monday's some
2: charisma,
3: there just crazy. You could sell it, <laughs> you could sell it, but it's a beautiful thing. Just channel it in the right direction. But Monday, I I was so confused in the class about love 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 then, I, then now we're talking and i'm thinking about the situation and i have used love i don't know if i have it and pour it out i've used it and now that i'm thinking about it, okay i know how to use it now maybe i can go to another level and say it's in me i'm not sure i i gotta see because it's no the warm fuzzies just ain't fuzzing always
2: okay uh i'm gonna suggest that getting the baby mamas who, who shared the dad together and loving on each other you've got it the ability to do that is love and i'll get into that after we take a break i'm also going to suggest that your two sons are using each other as sparring partners that is a game that they are choosing to play and it comes up looking like it's not love but if what you love is sparring then you need a sparring partner Hmm. Yeah. So take a break and we'll come back and talk about the clinical definition of love
1: Well,
3: that
2: sounds sterile.
1: (laughs) You can put practical prayer to work in your life, and Reverend Bill Marcioni can help. He is offering an online class that teaches you to create your own practical prayer in five weekly one-hour sessions. The final hour brings your practical prayer together, anchored in live original music by a notable New Thought musician. Practical prayer is based on the most effective prayers found in religions and spiritual practices all over the world. Use it to deepen ever more fully into the truth of your spiritual nature. It's the core of a transformational spiritual practice that's simple, even if it's not always easy. Rev. Bill is also available for private spiritual counseling prayer sessions. Together, you'll lean into the challenges you've experienced in life and explore the transformation that's possible through practical prayer. You'll uncover old, hidden beliefs and uproot them to make way for the life of your dreams. Everything you need to know is on the website at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com.
3: Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, here with Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we're going to continue the conversation about love. Not sure where well, it was going, but you do.
2: Well, I astounded you uh, right before the break by saying that we're going to have the clinical definition of love, which you said uh, sounded cold and... Sterile. <laughs> and <laughs> sterile. And it is, because there's love like a Hallmark greeting card. You know, with the... The hearts and the candies and all the Valentine's Day stuff where it's manufactured love and let's let's make it be squishy and warm and fuzzy and that that is one way of looking at love and when we look at the infinite the big-picture story first step in the practical prayer is to identify the divine the creator the source of everything and it's God, or spirit, or nature, or the Big Bang, or whatever it is, and it's it's the One. That's where we get back to the One. There's only God. Because in the beginning there was darkness and void and God. And then God started moving stuff around. God had an intention, said, let there be light. And the Big Bang exploded. And everything came from the One. Everything is the One ricocheting around in this manifest universe to create more and more pieces, and more and more expressions, and more and more, and more fragments. But it's all that divine love expressed in its own way, and knowing that that's the case, then the love is at hand right here. It has to be because that—that's all we are. We are that divine love taking particular form, and sometimes it is not obvious. Sometimes it is really difficult to look at the situation and say this is love. Let me break. I'm not accepting that this is love, and there are certainly situations where, if we're even if we're bringing love to the fight, there still might be a fight to be had. Because I do not need to agree with what the other divine expressions of God's love might be spouting. So the definition for love that I have come to favor is the one that sounds really dry and clinical. And it's from A Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. And it's from the 70s. And he defines love as the will to extend oneself to support the spiritual growth of oneself or another. there is no candy heart inside of that there's not a cartoon picture of a bunny there's none of the warm fuzzies the will to extend oneself to support the spiritual growth of oneself or another if you go back and you look at the infinite creating the universe creating everything that exists that's what was going on that was the will to extend oneself for the spiritual growth of in this case everything and we're repeating that process through everything that we're doing when you brought the three baby mamas together that's what you were doing you had the will to extend yourself because you were you made a choice and you were extending yourself that was risky to support the spiritual growth that was for you a little bit but for the kids and for the moms that's love Mm -hmm. and if you want a box of chocolates to go that you can take one out of petty cash
3: No, Because you deserve it. <laughs> no, thank you.
2: Because it shows up looking like all sorts of different things, obviously, because if there's only love, then everything is love, and it all looks so different. Yeah. Now, it will perhaps take a bit of time for that to move from your head, the 18 inches, the longest 18 inches in the universe, <laughs> into your heart and your gut, but that's what we're inviting that's what we're paying attention to so let's do a prayer on that a greater deeper fuller experience of love for everybody who's listening so we'll turn our attention away from the details and the specifics in the world around us they're still there they're still there all of the all the things that we look at and judge as winners or losers or bad or good or hot and cold. It's all still there, but go ahead and close your eyes to that. Go to a soft focus as it's safe to do so. Become fully present where you are. And open your awareness to that infinite creative power that creates everything. Whatever your creation story is, make yourself aware of what your belief system is, about where this all came from. From scripture, from science, from Even as a big happy coincidence, it's one happy coincidence that keeps on unfolding to allow everything to come into being. Even this is all a big happy coincidence, it's been evolving for billions of years. And every time it evolves, every time something new comes in, it is that same creation that's been there forever, unfolding in a new way. And in every experience that we've had, where we felt loved or nurtured or nourished or supported, there has been something or someone, extending itself to support us, to support our continued growth and development. Spiritual and also physically. Every breath that we take is filled with air that's nourishing and uplifting us. The fact that we can look at a sunset and see beauty in something that just happens anyway, there's, that's a, one of those wonderful coincidences that lets us be aware of the love that's at hand. It is possible to look at any situation and circumstance and understand that in back of it there is love. When there's a forest fire, we can look at it and say it's terrible destruction, how horrible. And within weeks we can go back through the burned area and see new growth coming in new growth that wouldn't have had a chance to express itself if all the shade from the trees were still there blocking out the Sun love is at hand it's always available That divine love that unfolds as all of creation is unfolding and expressing and revealing itself as each of us, right here and right now and always. Sometimes in ways that are obvious and sometimes in ways that are very mysterious and hidden. Sometimes we have to wait for the punchline. Sometimes we have to wait for the resolution. And in everything that we do, whether we're an experience with family and having something joyous going on, or if we're in the middle of a tussle, a disagreement or a fight, we can bring love to it. We can turn our attention back to the true knowing that it's all love, and that somehow there is something good that's available here. And so what I claim for each of us is an, an even deeper awareness of the love that's at hand, an even greater experience of that love unfolding, And even more thorough commitment to that will to extend ourselves for the spiritual benefit of ourselves or another and bring love to it. Because that love is always available. It's always there. And simply more and more of it being revealed. More and more of it being brought into our awareness. So love is at hand right here and right now and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the surprising ways that it shows up. I'm grateful for how quickly those surprising ways are happening. And I'm grateful for the rich and wonderful stories that are even now being rewritten. Revised with new backstories. And with different plot twists to bring us into the next scene. Love is at hand right here and right now, and I'm grateful for it. And with gratitude for this good, I speak this word of intention. I release it into that creative law that has been saying yes since that very first intention, let there be. And once again says yes, and this good is underway. And so it is.